This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that can't stand up for falling down. A bit like Chelsea, really. No, they weren't drunk, like I was, but they may as well have been. Anyway, honestly, it was all going kind of well, really. Imperious defending, snuffing Everton out completely. Uh, Felix and Havertz buzzing around creatively. And lots of fluid football to go with the fluid intake for many of us that day. But as ever with Chelsea, it was all fart and no shit. Uh, Felix's goal on 52 minutes was all we had to show for our dominance. And as any fool know, 1-0 is always susceptible to the opposition getting back into the game. Everton also predictably did just that on 69 minutes. Havertz restored Chelsea's lead with a penalty on 79 minutes and again... Chelsea tried to hold on to the lead. Schoolboy error in more ways than one. Koulibaly and Kepper both contrived to cock up and some random Everton player called Sims equalised in the last minute. The real question, of course, was why did Potter bring on a midfielder for Pulisic when we went 1-0 up? Surely bringing on Mudrik for Pulisic would have improved Chelsea's Chelsea's chances of increasing the lead, putting the game out of Everton's reach with the Toffees leaving space to attack as they search for an equaliser. My nephew, Sasha, certainly thought so when I said, tell you what, Sash, we should bring on Mudrik for Pulisic, I said at half-time. Anyway, as if to compound the mistake, Potter took Felix off for Chuck Wameka after we went 2-1 up, again seemingly trying to close the game out. It was all very frustrating and poor game management, but who is culpable? Potter for being Brighton-esque by trying to manage a game out by the odd goal when we could have put Everton to the sword, or the players for not being capable of shutting up shop as they are so error-prone. It seems to betray a lack of confidence from both the manager and the players, which, after winning three on the trot, 
is all the more alarming. Anyway, the title of this show is Pottering. Chelsea Fancast number 978. And as ever, I have the absolutely gorgeous, beautifully formed Jonathan Kidd on the show. I'm looking good today, you're right. You are looking good, mate. You're looking about 10 years younger than the last time I saw you. I don't know what's happened. I think you're not uh, ill anymore, mate. That probably uh, helps. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm getting better. I think it's that. Yeah. I think it's actually, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I've eaten an avocado, Have so you? I feel very, very pleased with myself. Yeah. 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 Very good for you, know, a lot of fat and fibre. Yeah, the fat's not so good, but the fibre is definitely... No, the fat, it's, the good, it's good fat. Is it? It's good fat. Is it yeah. Amigas? Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, good, it's good, good food if you're a vegan. Yeah. You can live on nuts, avocados and bananas, but not all together. Yeah. You could. I don't know. You could mash them up, couldn't you? I love it. I love mashed avocado on toast, mate, with a bit of chilli flakes, hey. lemon juice. Lovely, hey. jubbly. Yeah. Hey. Hey. We should Shall do another podcast about cooking, shouldn't we? Really? I'd think? love to. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd, I'd put my own personal flair. It'd be over in minutes, mind you, but, you know, we could do it quickly. We could do one in sex, too, as well. Oh, that would be over in minutes as well. Oh, clever. Clever. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure anybody would listen to our views on sex. I think they would probably ill-advised to do so, wouldn't they? Slightly out- outmoded. We might be. So I think uh, we we'll leave that one for the youth. Yeah, we might get cancelled. We'll, we'll leave that for, for people who actually have sex. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always that. <laughs> enough, anyway, thanks very much. Enough. We've been, you know, we've been uh, the Chelsea fancast. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> or, or not a good night, as the case may be. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, dearie me. Who have we got on the show tonight, JK? Ah, if it's wit, charm, Irishness, uh, but no Blarney you're after, then uh, it's not for him. No, no, it's him. It's him. It is, of course, the excellent, the very amusing, the very concise, the very incisive Mr. Martin Wickham. Evening all. How are you all doing? Good to... Good, mate. Good. It was yeah. good to see you on Saturday in the court yeah. tavern. Yeah, I had a I had a rare full day where I could um, hang around a bit, and yeah, it was enjoyable. Uh, apart from the football, which we've got to talk about, but you know, it's, it's the people you meet, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to have a few beers with you for a change. It's been far too long. It's a very nice, nice vibe in the cock. Cock, actually, I thought in the pub earlier. Good few people in there, but a few of us lot, which is fun. Uh, the first time I've taken my nephew. Uh, to a game and then to the pub which was great so there we go I enjoyed that anyway good to see you both uh, on the show tonight well I'll get into that in a minute uh, but uh, I, fa- I forgot to tell you what's in the show I-, I only wrote half of my script like a complete plum I told you my brain had gone a well today JK but guess what we're going to be talking about tonight uh Chelsea versus Everton review who knew That'd be a good idea I reckon yeah. yeah yeah I've got a few got a few things to talk talk about I think first first part why shut up shop at one nil uh game management and the subs that he made everybody has been talking about it all weekend uh JK's fan bite was replete with it uh part two uh we need to dig out K2 and Kepper I think for the second and just really regale you with how frustrating it was um but I don't think it was as simple as that, actually, because I think actually we didn't look too bad for much of the match, if albeit a bit profligate. And uh, I'm getting mad. I'm falling madly in love with Fafana W because I think he's some hell of a player. So we'll be having a chat about all of that. Now, we've got three parts tonight. Uh, no, not emails in part three. No, we're going to be joined by some celebrities. Well, some fellow Chelsea mates at any rate. Uh, the absolutely lovely Gary Hayes and Kerry Levy from uh, the the Chels podcast but they're not really in here as uh, in their the Chels podcast capacity because Gary 
and Kerry have been working for a long time on a like a documentary podcast, basically called The Blueprint, which really talks about uh, really the Roman era. I think. Uh, I mean, actually, I'm on, I'm on it. I think I have to ask Gary what on earth I bladdered on about because it was so long ago. I can't remember. He's been working on it for years. But anyway, um, he sent me a press release. He spoke to me over the weekend. Said, "Can I come on and talk about it?" Because we're launching it this week. I said, "Of course." And I saw the press release, and they've they've interviewed Ken Bates. It's like mental. So I can't really wait to talk to them about that. So that's in part three. Uh, I commend it to the house, as they say. Now, as ever, you can follow this here show by going to Mixler, which is Chelsea-Fancast.Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R, and of course we record a show every Monday and Friday at 7.30pm, JK. Oh, hang on, hang on. Live. Very good. Not, not you know, only five minutes late, but I did go out in the wrong order, so I do... Yeah, I, you did. You completely I confused know. me. I, 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 I'm ad-libbing Sorry. rather than reading it. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you for queuing me. I did queue you, though, exactly. Anyway, so yeah. there we go. Live every Monday and Friday, 7.30pm, chelsea-fancast.mixler.com. Uh, and if you do that, you'll join loads of other lovely, lovely people who support Chelsea, many of whom uh, are members of our Patreon group and by association Discord group. And uh, it's great fun to chat to them in there. So there we go. Now, of course, you can follow us on all the socials at Chelsea Fancast and listen and subscribe on ACAST, Spotify, Apple and all good podcast platforms. If you do, make sure you give us a stonking five star review. You can lie if you want, if you if you want to give us a five-star review. Um, but if you really want to be honest and say we suck, you suck balls, man, then I will laugh. It won't bother me in the slightest, but there you go. Right, uh, after this very short break, we'll be back to talk about the football. Well, I mean, it was lovely because I, I got to see lots of mates in the pub. I took my nephew, Sasha, who loved it because uh, he was just happy to be there as we were. I was really happy to go there with him. Nice to see all the lovely people in the pub, as I said. Um, but let's start with the old... I mean, I, I'm not... Do you know what? I can't be asked to talk about the team selection because basically we got it bang on, JK. You got it bang on, too. No, no, because I didn't, I didn't have Badia Shield playing. You said, oh, no, 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 no. Adam said, oh, no, 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 no. We'll have... Badia Shield playing, and that was exactly... You were spot on with Pulisic. And he, yeah. he in fact, he said in the, the presser he'd chosen him because he felt that he dribbled, which I found slightly critical of Mudrick, who he doesn't think dribbles, and I thought Mudrick was a bit of a good dribbler. But um, what do I know? Um, I, well, I don't think he is. This is the bloody madness. I mean, I know that that's what he does. Sterling and Pulisic may be good dribblers, but they dribble over and fall over the bloody ball or lose it to people or run into some six foot five hairy ass defender and lose the ball or pass square or run down blind alleys this is you know my my issue other than his very first appearance where he looked world class tends his first touch is a little bit ropey it's a little bit sean wright phillips but um in his second spell because sean wright phillips at the beginning was very good um but uh 
we don't know once again what's going on in training and he perhaps doesn't think he's, you know, there's always this thing cited. He never had a pre-season. Perhaps he's not fit enough. But I thought he played very well against Leicester and I was expecting to see him. I'd love to have seen him in the side. But I'd love to have seen him brought on. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that. But, no, I know. I just, I, I just don't, don't worry. I wasn't, you can keep your... Do I look worried? Do I look... How did do, I, do I look... I, no, I was I've just, got a look on my face that says no fucks are given, mate. Come on. Yeah, yeah I was just giving it as a hint. That we're going to talk about that. But Madrid, You're being I mean, a tease, J.K. I was teasing you. No, I was. I was giving a teaser. No, no, I know. It's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I? What can I talk about now? Um, well, I mean, what I want to talk about is why did we shut up shop at one o'clock? Because there's been so much debate about this. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I, I know it's part two, so I'm kind of like doing what I accuse you of doing, which is very naughty of me. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean. I'm I'm just astonished. I was astonished because I mean, look, I I actually thought we weren't too bad, really. I mean, basically, we lost the game. We, we were the very game. very good. Yeah. We can't get the ball in the sodding no, net. But we know that. We 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 know. We, know we have to accept that. that. I think we just know I that thought, we can't. I thought Felix was outstanding. Yeah, outstanding. Felix is a top player, um, and I thought he was really really uh, you know, bringing it on, basically, and bringing Havertz involved. Um, Chilwell was fantastic. Fantastic. I think he had 96 touches. And I think the ball kept going, pinging down that side because Felix kept bringing him in there and playing lovely one twos with him. It was it was really terrific stuff. Um, well, once again, you know, this this demand for a striker, you know, I suppose you've had somebody like like um, the, the mad uh, Fulham forward Mit- Mitrovic, who um pushes referees and then confronts them after being sent off and probably have a 10 match ban poor bloke but he it's somebody just in the box who just gets it in the net I'm not convinced that the way the team plays that we need a striker ultimately I think that's something to get on to later I think if he can make this work um, with the supposed false nine and Felix is almost the, the kind of striker and Havertz because Havertz looked much better again playing behind Sort of in that he's not behind. He's in still the up pocket, with play. Mate. In the pocket, but he's in the yeah. He's he's playing, but little bit. And Pulisic, bless his cotton socks, was actually not bad. You know, no, he did right, some very right. decent dribbles, dribbles indeed. And he did he lovely, did lovely stuff. finish, albeit uh, yeah, um, fantastic. Who was offside? Fantastic. I can't remember now. Felix, Felix, Felix was yeah. just ahead. But um, no, we I thought we were absolutely excellent. Yeah, I do. Really. I agree. You know, it's Fernandez, just... Fernandez, top. Yeah, defense looking great. Koulibaly yeah. looking. You know, yeah. um, all of them, and I, I you know, it's just once again, um, uh, th- th- what they do with the setup is either Burnley or Everton. Is he just blocks like a madman? They get you know, ten blocks out of twenty shots. There, yeah, you exactly. think, well, good, good on him. You know, but it looked to me as if we got one goal. It looked to me as if we would get more, other than when suddenly he made this decision on sixty minutes. This is the point. It's half an hour to go. We're only one nil up. So. And I, I, I now allow Martin to leap in. Well, I, I, I mean, I'd like Martin to leap in because actually you were, you were right. We, we, I think I, I feel good for that. I think we needed to get that in first, actually, the fact that I actually thought we played pretty well. And I'm glad you thought the same because when I, in, you know, I went to the pub afterwards, I was pissed off, you know, that we'd, we'd it was just disappointing, we you know. We that, were all pissed off. Because, because we should have won that game. And I, I saw Martin in the pub afterwards and Martin was not throwing his toys out of the pram, was being the voice of reason as he so often is, and like me, thought we played quite well, albeit we screwed up, la, 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 la. But you were quite positive afterwards, weren't you, Martin? I mean, you thought we didn't play badly at all. I think we were okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I was, the way I said it in the pub was we were good for 88 and poxy for two. Mm. And unfortunately, in those two minutes, we've conceded two goals, which 
you know fine margins it, it can't happen too frequently otherwise we're going to keep dropping points but for the overall performance it was you know we've played worse games under Potter on one so you know thinking a couple of the Palace a couple of the Palace games possibly leads so as a performance it was better but we just need to score more goals obviously and stay on side I mean Jesus Christ if you if you mentally tot up how many goals we've had ruled out for offsides and not marginal calls like just a lovely finish but someone strayed pass was played a little bit too late it's ruled out correctly for offside there's no dispute in that sense but it's just those little things that we just don't do I mean we fucking put six goals past Leicester and three of them were ruled out so it's even I'd forgotten about the goal that was ruled out on Saturday you know that would have had us one up I think was it what is was it goalless at the time or was that after yeah it was goalless wasn't it I think we were one up okay so that would have put us two up and changes the game completely and then at the end you've got for all the talk about the substitutions you've got two players who are on for the full 90 who are would be in the experienced end of it who colossally fucked it yeah. and led to that equalizer so it's very uh, part of my attitude now is that you know throwing my toys out the pram, getting pissed off, screaming, sack him on social media might be cathartic, but it's going to make absolutely zero difference. Mm. It's not going to happen. They seem to have, you know, that's it. Then they're not going to dismiss him at the, at this point in the season, no matter what your feelings are, whether he's up to the job and I still have my quite significant reservations about him. It's not going to change. So, same energy to do something else, basically. The three, wins, the three wins gave him an opportunity to gave them an opportunity not to. to I think, him. and also it just came yeah. at exactly the right time. But I think the Dortmund game has pretty much squashed any talk of that for the foreseeable, yeah. Yeah. and it would have been nice to go into an international break, and with with another win and the possibility of you know looking forward positively. As it is now, we're playing a a mid-table decider against Aston Villa, and I wouldn't sell them short at all because I think Unai Emery is a fantastic coach and manager. So we should see what happens. Yeah, but they're always going to because he's very good at what he does. So that's, you know, any surprise at that is people who weren't paying attention, quite to be quite blunt. And, you know, if your only experience of him is, you know, good evening in his time at Arsenal, then I'm afraid you're a bit fucking blinkered. Mm. We may find that out to our cost in a couple of weeks' time. But, yeah, um, I wouldn't say positive but i'm not i wasn't too despondent maybe that was the guinness i don't know we'll see well i think it's also it's the time old honored you know somebody equalizes in the last minute for them it feels like a win and for us it feels like a defeat even though the actual result is a draw and i think there was a lot a lot of that going on jk let, let's talk about the subs shall we rather i'm, I'm sorry i'm going all over the place in the running order but it, it, i've just reread it and it makes oh, sense i can't cope Help. i know you'll be fine you'll be fine oh, you'll, okay. so i'll look after you don't worry Brilliant, um i mean i think the, i mean i think that they're, they're 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 all very different and i mean you know let's let's start at the end rather than the beginning chaloba came on for fana for fana that's not easy to say for Fafana. Lucky it wasn't Fafana because when it would have been Fafana for Fafana. Fafana for Fafana, yeah. That's talking heads, isn't it? Psycho killer. Yeah, I think Fafana. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, actually, that would be a great song for him, wouldn't it? I think we've just invented a chant for fun. It will never happen. Run, 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 run away. Aston, I still, I still think we need. I think, I still think we need a. Sorry. To adopt the Enzo in the middle and just change the last two lines to Fafana at the back, Fafana in attack. For fuck's sake, Poss is still manager. <laughs> hey! But um, tush. Um, yes, where were we? Yeah, but the Fafana sub, I'm not having that because he was injured. He had to come off. No, I mean, fair enough. That was fair you know, enough. He you had can't, to come off. can't grumble with that. I'd like to start yeah. with the Gallagher uh, for Pulisic one because I think that's... That's I just don't understand that. I mean, am I completely insane here? But he was crying he, out for Mudrick to 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 exploit the, the space. Pattern, he kept the same pattern. So why he did didn't... he put Gallagher on for Pulisic then? Well, in in I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying that this has been an overreaction, and we're all somehow completely, um, you know, we we just want instant gratification, want instant success, and give him time. Once again, all the give him time people. But, well, I'd uh, like to win a game from 2-1 up at 89 minutes. I don't think that's occasion. Gallagher came on when yeah, we yeah, were 1-0 up. On. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it shouldn't have been. At 60 minutes. At 60 minutes. So he's making. But he, but, he, but he put him in Pulisic's position. You're right. He, he didn't change he, the shape. Absolutely. He did. He so did. he was the wrong player on for, the, for, for Pulisic. Yeah. That's what I don't get. Yeah, I agree completely. That's what is mystifying for me as well. Did he and get the I haircut fixed up? <laughs> With the head back. I, That's a very I, good point, Martin. I actually think that um, I couldn't work out. I don't think Gallagher knew where he was playing because I kept looking and thinking, where the fuck's he playing? I don't understand. I don't think he knew where he was playing because one minute he was up in the front, one minute he was in midfield, and it bore no relation to where Pulisic, how Pulisic had been playing. That's unfortunately what you're going to get with Connor. He did a fantastic run, Connor. If you remember, he beat two, two, got the ball and beat two players. Connor was Connor as always. In fact, he said so in the press conference. He said, "You know, we really rate Connor." I he said he's not going to be transferred because he, he clearly he, you know, I almost think his position as a permanent substitute might be what they're after because he he is so energetic. But in this instance, I, I didn't understand what position he was playing because. Uh, if, if he if they kept the same pattern, he didn't play like Pulisic because he doesn't. He's not going to go dribbling at them. He's not going to go shooting from distance. Well, he does. He shoots from distance, but normally he gets into the penalty area. He does. He's a different player completely. So that to me that was a negative negative uh, substitution because it needed just to just if if Pulisic is brought off because he's knackered because he hasn't played and he's done all right. Bring on another player who's going to put the willies up him. Bring oh, on yeah. Madrid. Exploit, exploit the space because Everton are going to come out looking for an equaliser. Exactly, exactly. I mean, if you, I mean, this is the other thing I don't understand because he actually did put, as far as I, my eyes would tell me, somebody who's watched the game back five hundred times on TV may argue and say, "No, you're wrong." But if you were to go three-five-two by bringing Gallagher on, I don't agree with that either because that's horribly defensive and negative. Absolutely. But I don't Absolutely. think he did. I think he put no. Gallagher into Pulisic's position. It's exactly what he did Which do. And that's why I'm saying I couldn't work out where he was playing because he didn't know either because he kept wanting to go back into his kind of default midfield and yet was then further up. So I I, I couldn't wait. He didn't he did another one thing or another. I'm not saying he played badly, but it was just, it was sort of flailing about, I thought. What, what, say, yes. what say you, Martin? He was the wrong substitution at the wrong time, yes. to be honest. Yeah, I think yes. that's, you know, we've talked about Mudrick not being a great dribbler, but he's fucking quick. And if he goes up against 
yeah. yeah. Seamus Coleman, who's played a yeah. full 70 minutes or 60 yeah. minutes or whatever, he's going to get a chance because the same way he went up against Milner when he had had his impressive turn at, against Liverpool. And they soon changed that because they realised it was blood sport and put Trent Alexander-Arnold on to, to cover it. Um, if you want to go defensive and you need feel you need to control the game a little bit more and you leave N'Golo Kante as an unused substitute. Now, I know there may have been the issue of Didier Deschamps immediately dialing, <laughs> dialing Chelsea and demanding he be released for international duty straight away. I think they may have been trying to avoid him getting called up for the France squad. But I think that would have been the more sensible player to bring on. And it would have also lifted the crowd because it's N'Golo Kante coming back. So you'd have had the last 10 minutes, everyone cheering, singing N'Golo's name, and he would have been able to provide a bit more cover and stability. But yeah, I think, yeah, I, I yeah, I don't get it. Even Woodrick, Woodweke, you've got pace on the bench and you weren't trying to close, you can't close a game out from 60 minutes. That's fucking ridiculous. That's not going to work. So well, unless you just, you're 2-0 up, and then Mourinho could do that. 2-0, 3-0. But then it, but then at that point, you, you feel more confident and you want to hit him for more. But 1-0 and you change change it and change the way you're playing. It it's, was completely Ranieri-esque. That's it's an, it was, it was an accident waiting to happen, I think. And it's annoying that we got caught on a set piece and then a counter-attack. On, on, on their second corner. Their, only yes. their second, second corner. corner. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you know, you're 1-0 up against a side whose only chance of scoring is probably going to be a set piece with half an hour to go. Yeah. Hello. He actually said, oh, we, in the press conference, well, we did talk about that as if somehow it was their fault. For goodness sake, you've got to be so careful in this. You know that that is likely to be where they will score from. So you, the vigilance should be enormous. It's not a trade secret, is it? No. Sean Dyche set pieces. It's oh. just everyone knows that. Oh. And it's no they're knock on Dyke, it's because he's good at it, and I quite like the bloke. So, you know it's coming, deal with it. Yeah. Well, there was a love-in from him and uh, Potter. They're both, from the same, they're both from the same neck of the woods. So. Yeah. Uh, both manage the same kind of sides, or used to. <laughs> uh, okay, right. Meow. Meow. Uh, right. No, look, don't, don't, don't meow me at Dyche. I love Sean Dyche. I, do you know what? I'd rather we had Sean Dyche than Graham Potter. I shit you not. I shit you not. At least he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't fuck about, would he? He'd <laughs> be into some of the <laughs> underperformers. And, and uh, you know, his gravelly voice would scare all the foreign players, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, we should move on to the next sub, which um, kind of made a bit of sense, I think. Cheek for Kovacic, kind of like for like, although he put Cheek in the middle, didn't he? I wonder why Kovacic went off. He was our, He was our captain at the time. Um, yeah, it maybe... appears to me at the moment he only plays him for about 70 minutes, doesn't he? He takes him off. He did that last time. He did that against Leicester. So he's being managed, which we did talk he's about been, last week. Yeah. You know, I, I wondered if that was the case. What I couldn't yeah. understand, though, uh, Martin, was Chukwameka for Felix. Carney Chukwameka. Another player who, in the little few bursts I've seen of him, I've actually been quite impressed. But was it the right substitution, the right situation? Probably not. I, I mean, again, we're two one. We're we're, we're two one up when he came on, weren't we? Yeah, I yeah. think so. so he's yeah. closing the game down again. I think. But then you've got Ancolo Kanze on the bench, who's the best fucking defensive mid- midfielder of the last decade. 
and you leave him sat there and you you need to close a game out. Yeah. What what the well, I'm I'm there, there is you know trying to be a bit you know a bit too clever by half. I think might have been. Um, pretty much, I think if he caught Graham Potter on a quiet, unguarded moment, he'd probably want that substitution back so he could um, bring Kante on and just get that game sealed up. I'm but... not sure that he would have ever brought him on in a in a um, a tricky situation. I think he was going to bring him on if we were two 0 or three 0 up. Really, I think he wanted a canter. He didn't want a a, a confrontational physical. And go low and go low canter. A canter, indeed. Canter. But then he, he wanted, yeah, just he wanted a wander around the paddock, didn't he? He didn't want a, um, a, a physical examination. A frolic. Yeah, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. A forelock frolic. Yeah. Martin injects some sense sense into this. Uh, this this is a, this is another Ch- Graham, Ch- Graham Ch- Jones moment, isn't it? Ch- Cheltenham was last week, lads. So yeah, let's yeah, leave it. Yeah. Let's leave it with the horse analogies. Yeah. But yeah, I, I still think you 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 bring him on because. What goods are you going to in a canter? You you attack more. Um, again, it just it just begs the question. You know, what are they thinking and why are they doing it? Why are they thinking it? It's he did the same thing against Leeds and they were lucky. Mm. Exactly the same thing. And so this... Twitter, some people said, oh, "I never heard the complaints about Leeds. We did the same thing. We all complained. It was awful. That was it that was, was horrendous. Was I wasn't at the thing. game. I was, was listening to it. Was the same thing, Martin. It was I was listening thing. to it and it sounded nerve-wracking as fuck because it was just yeah. awful so yeah. you know this you, this is not a manager who's seems to be very confident in his job security yeah. because he's but also the other aspect of it is when um connor did come on the fluency disappeared completely from what they'd been we didn't mm. play as well we didn't play with the attacking um acumen that we'd had before we didn't play with the uh i mean uh, that, the fluency that's yeah. really important you know because if there's been one i mean i think we've been saying for a while actually that the defense is becoming you know it, it looks like a chelsea defense i mean okay we'll get on to the errors in part two but it's looking like a chelsea defense they snuffed everything out they look big they look strong for farner fuck you know he's a player mate he did he two is. or he three runs didn't he from yeah. box to box he yeah. looked like a midfielder yeah. you know but they, it looks like a Chelsea defence. They look really solid. They, it doesn't look like teams are going to score unless they get lucky. you know. So that's working. But the interesting thing over the last few weeks, which I think has changed a lot of people's moods for the better, is exactly that, JK, is that we are looking a lot more creative and a lot more fluid from defence to midfield to attack. I mean, to me, that was a proper Chelsea performance yeah. up until the 60th minute. Yeah. We, we bossed it. We had possession. There was a great fluidity. I thought this is getting back to... Top top banana Chelsea. Um, once again, the, the major problem is getting the ball in the net. But we had that problem under Tuchel. We still bossed games, but still couldn't get the ball in the net. So I'm it, we, at least we're not playing um, the the kind of clueless football we were playing before. And I but I think part of it he's he's once again got out of jail, Potter, because part of the reason is he's got Chilwell playing, who's class act. He's got um, Felix playing with him brilliantly. He's got James coming back to his best because James beginning to look better and better all the time. He's got Fernandez playing out of his skin in the middle and bossing it, and he's got Kovacic with him. So you've actually, you know, he, he's got the best players back and they're doing it. And before he was having to put in players that didn't work, whereas now that 11 for the first um, 60 minutes, apart from possibly Pulisic, who was finding his way a bit, though was very, was, was very decent. 
um, to me is 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 top team. I have to say, I don't think that Silver would have made the error that Koulibaly made. But up until the end, uh, Koulibaly had been excellent. Yeah, no, he has. And he has been. And he has been, too, for the last three. I mean, really, really, you know, what we're talking about mainly is um, is the game game management here. And, you know, managers earn their corn by by understanding how to tactically affect games and, and managing them out in this context. But I think it still begs the question, Martin, doesn't it? Is why why do Chelsea okay, albeit that we've been shocking for a lot of this season, but nevertheless we are we are still very much Chelsea. So we shouldn't be trying to manage out a game against Everton at one nil. We should be going for a second and a third. I mean, our track record against Everton at home is 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 second to none. I mean, it it, it I think we we you know it's one of the best records against any team in the league. So it just I don't understand what's going on with that. And I mean, I I I alluded, didn't I, in the in the intro that maybe it's a confidence thing. And also the other side of this coin is, you know, you could argue that Potter's thinking, well, you know, you know. The, Everton are shit. We should we should we should manage this game out. The players are good enough to do that, and of course they make two errors, which fucks it all up. So you could put the put the blame onto the players for being error prone. But I'm just what what I'm really wondering about here, Martin, is the mentality here. You know, um, I said Brighton esque. Maybe that's a bit unfair, but I wonder if there's something something to do with the mentality of both the manager and the players here. Yeah, it feels like they don't fully believe in themselves yet. I mean, the wins against Dortmund and. Leeds and Leicester you'd have thought would have helped but we knew that Everton were going to pose a different question they were never going to give us as much space as Dortmund and Leicester did they were going to sit in low block be physical and hit you for 60 minutes we more than answered it and then they started to doubt themselves a little bit and I think that's manager and players it's something that needs to be ironed out quickly because the players are there we know how good they are so needs a little bit of brain training and a lot of the talk before the game was how you know he'd made the connection on the training ground and all this stuff well when it came on top a little bit at the end i didn't really see any evidence of that yet and all we could have easily won that game so it's very it's difficult to say i think that the next few weeks will be interesting because you know they've only got they've only got the real madrid game to aim for and that they've kind of got a free swing at it so Nuts. They could, they could, they could shock us. Yeah, some on on our day we could beat Real Madrid, but on our other day you see what happened on Saturday. No, it's it's, good, it's yeah. like Chelsea of old, mate. Maybe maybe we yeah. have got our Chelsea back, J.K. <laughs> well, as I, I keep saying, it's very Ranieri esque um, when he would manage to uh, uh, suck the soul out of the side with his substitutions. At ridiculous times who's the best player on the pitch zola who's he taking off on 70 minutes zola um i I think when it comes down to it in the end i'm afraid to say despite the two dismal errors from koulibaly and kepa i mean three because uh, kepa was at fault twice first of all his kick up the pitch to no one when he could just have passed it and secondly his save was feeble absolutely feeble um but um uh, apart from those two errors, yes, we did change the game. I personally put it all down to the manager. And I think it was feeble management. And I think he's got a problem. And I think he has to actually think differently to realise that he's playing with why, the team. Why, why was it feeble? Explain. 
but feeble for all the reasons that we've suggested. Chich. That it was, it was being it negative. Was, yeah, yeah, negative, uh, wrong. Um, it, it, his putting um, Connor on, unfortunately, seemed to affect the team um, because the, the attacking fluidity disappeared and we weren't the same side. Um, and we know how Connor plays. You, you, if you're going to keep the same pattern, I've just said this earlier, you, you put Mudrick on and then you're not changing the pattern. Fair enough, bring Connor on at 75, absolutely. Bring him on, but not 60. That's just absolutely absurd to me. And, and I, I just think that's, that's weak thinking. And I'm, I hate to come in on this and just be, you know, Mr. You know, he, he, he is, but I, my fan bite was all about him being out of his depth. And I noticed that Clayton then posted that as well. I was intrigued that I, I just think that he, he, he has a, he, he does, Chidge, I think you're right. He does have a Brighton-esque philosophy on this. I don't think he understands what he has to do in these situations. I think he applies something that is, is it, it's, it's weak. It's a weak thing to do, not to go for the opposition when you've got them by the short and curlies. He manages with the handbrake on, if yeah. that's a thing. I know you could talk about playing with the handbrake on. He seems to coach with it on at times. And it, you know, we're a team that even before Potter took over used to be, you know, it was fine margins that got us to win the Champions League. So if they don't work out, it, te- it goes the other way. Mm-hmm. We've got the capability of doing much more. And with the players he's got, you could argue should be doing much more. Yeah, I, I, mean, just, it, I think that I think the Fernandez signing has been absolutely fabulous. And I think that, you know, you just now go right. They've got that absolutely right. But um, uh, for the rest of the side, there are still unknown so when they're actually playing well together i don't think you should stifle it by changing it after an hour unless you somehow get a readout that says that all the players are now knackered so you've got to change it well in which case bring on like for like bring some because mudrick as we've said i'm repeating myself but repeating ourselves but he would have shown the same particularly coming on being fresh he'd have taken them to the cleaners then the game would have been up the other end and they were going after the goal anyway, so it would have been stretched. So we were more likely to score and then put the game out of their their remit. They couldn't have anything to do with it after that. There is an, always another side, uh, although I, I broadly agree with you because, I mean, it was me that you know kind of mentioned the idea. We, we certainly will talk more about the reaction to it because I was intrigued by that, but I'm going to wait until part two for that. But, I mean, you know, the, the other side of the coin, of course, is that, you know, if 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 the players hadn't made errors, then we wouldn't even be talking about this. And you can't necessarily blame Potter for, no, for player errors. I think we still would be talking about it because the whole pattern and energy of the team... Yeah, you would, you would have still been pissed off because you were really enjoying how we were playing, like I was, actually. Yes, yes. I, I take that point. Listen, we're going to have to go for a quick break. Uh, before we do... Before we do, just a quick reminder, uh, if you, if, unless, of course, you've been uh, you know, in the Amazon rainforest for the last few weeks, but we are doing the big Stamford Bridge sleepout uh, this Saturday, uh, the 25th of March, uh, where about 100 to 150 or so of us Chelsea supporters will be sleeping for one night uh, in the underneath the East Stand, uh, where it blows a howling gale, even on a midsummer's day. So... It will be suitably cold to uh, basically replicate, well, replicate for one night only the homeless experience. There are poor people out there who have to do this every night, which is why we're doing it ostensibly. But uh, the money that we're raising is going to the Stoll Foundation, who specifically look after veterans who have been made homeless or have mental health issues or physical health issues. So uh, a very worthwhile charity. And of course, they are our next door neighbours. 
people have been unbelievably generous and uh, many 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 of you have uh, supported the cause and supported me doing it which i'm absolutely humbled by uh if you want to add more to the coffers it is just giving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash david hyphen chigi one um the other thing i would say is i re pre-recorded sorry to disappoint you and uh kind of uh, you know shatter the illusion of live recordings but obviously i will be at stanford bridge next i say so therefore i couldn't do the uh, tales from the shed which i've been doing for the last few years uh, you know from my garden by the fire pit with a bottle of whiskey and a big cigar i recorded them last night and uh, i think you will like what we have done because they are all going to be excerpts from the latest uh, gate 17 uh, tomb which has come along and sing this song so i've hopefully chosen some nice uh, little excerpts to read out and uh, they will be running on saturday night so there we go uh, very quickly because it's the Ch chelsea supporters trust who organized the sleep out and mark Meehan and cliff auger in particular and paul hay uh, so if you want to join them and get involved with this kind of stuff, then uh, go to ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. It's five quid to be a member, and that also enables you to vote in all the elections, the AGM, and put motions forward, and uh, really hopefully get your voice heard by the club. And uh, whilst we're on that subject of the ground, and the East End in particular, uh, you should join the Chelsea Pitch Owners. Uh, because, of course, they protect the heritage of the club and mean it remains playing at Stamford Bridge forever and ever and ever unless they say so. Uh, costs about 100 quid or so to become a shareholder there, and I would commend that to anybody. Just go to the club website, search Chelsea Pitch Owners, and you will find the info. We will be back in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices – it's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back, this is Stanford Chidge, and this is the Chelsea Fancast, the Monday night edition, where we're looking back uh, at the Everton game on Saturday, and I've got the lovely Jonathan Kibb with me. Hello. And the equally lovely Martin Wickham, who I shared a few Guinnesses with on Saturday. Good evening. 
very appropriate that we were drinking Guinness. It was St. Pat's Day on Friday, and of course, Ireland won the Grand Slam, Martin. I have to say, even as a proud Englishman, I was quite delighted by that. Yeah, it was um, impressive. You know, the World Cup's coming up in September, so Mm. hopefully they take it forward and don't lose to fucking Japan like they did last time. But yeah, let's celebrate what's happened um, first. And interesting, my parents live opposite a rugby club over in Ireland, a New Ross rugby club, and that is where Tyke Furlong started his career. No way. No way. There you go. Uh, My parents used to live a five-minute walk from Lansdowne Road, so... uh... Yeah, happy days. Right, now, uh, we were talking about the Chelsea-Everton match. We kind of finished up on part two with a, you know, was it was it Brighton-esque from Potter to kind of get a bit negative and, and try and shut a game out with half an hour to go? And I said to JK, I said, well, there is another side to the coin, which, of course, is if the City players don't make stupid mistakes, then we wouldn't be talking about this. And then he rightly pointed out, well, we still would be talking about this because I was enjoying how they were playing. And he is right. However, we do need to talk about, I mean, I, I the the... The the corner happened so quickly. I I don't know. I I don't know if any particular blame can be attributed to that. I mean, somebody didn't pick up their man, I suppose. But you know, but you know, Dyche is going to get his teams playing set pieces very well. It looked like a well worked set piece. But I do I don't know unless anybody's got some forensic blame here. I'm I'm just going to say well, well that happens. I don't think it's particularly well worked. You know, they're going they're going for second ball, aren't they? They're going for a ball across. It's just as the long player gets it, you've got two opportunities to head the ball clear because the ball's not being headed in the net. The ball, you first of all, you've got the first header to try and uh, challenge for, and then the one comes across. You've got the time for the second header, so you've got fifty percent more opportunity to clear it because it's on a it's on a ball across the penalty area. So uh, I just think you should, that should be practiced. I'm afraid. I'm perhaps if Silver was there, he'd have got in the way or headed it out. But even it's just, even that whole process of of not blocking people illegally, but just being in their way. We just seem to be, um, I don't know. Just uh, there's a kind of inevitability about it, and I can't stand it when you just think, as you said, Chidge, it was the second corner, the first corner it was the, there were two in a row because the the second one was a header that was, went hit somebody and went wide again. And before that, they hadn't had an opportunity to do that. And they surely must. I, how on earth do you practice that regularly? Just constantly try and work out. You've got to get the ball on the second when it's headed across the goal. You know, you have perhaps you have people deliberately on that moment. I don't know how they would train for that. But it just seems to me that, you know, if you know that that is the likely way they will score, for goodness sake, try and make sure they don't. You know, be absolutely vigilant about it. And obviously, you can't do much, Jidge, about the, the 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 next goal. We're going to get onto that in a minute. The, the the errors, but for goodness' sake, that was equally dismal. Jesus. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying, Martin. I mean, you know, teams that are very good at set pieces are going to punish you for the slightest error. And I mean, I I can't I can't find anything that really pissed me off about that, other than the fact that Everton scored. But I can't. You know, if 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 it was a good set piece, they won the first ball. You know, that 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 that. I mean, from where I was sitting, Martin, which unusually for me was in the I was in Dan's seat, so I was in the west lower. It did look a bit like it had gone straight through Kepper, but I think at one yard, you know, what what you're going to do unless it accidentally gets, you know, you get in the way of it. I saved my powder for the second yeah, goal because okay. well, the let- first one was just. Set piece. What can you do? Well, yeah. but, 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 but on the other hand, why aren't we good at set pieces? 
Is it because we haven't got tall enough players? What is it? Why Why are we saying, well, they're a very good set-piece side? Why aren't we a very good set-piece side? I mean, how many goals have we conceded from set-pieces before Saturday? Because I can't think of too many off the top of my head, but I'm happy to be corrected. I just think it was one of those things. Like I said, the second goal had you know far more egregious errors, in my opinion. So... Oh, yeah, appalling. Second goal was appalling, yeah. Well, yeah. Should we, should we yeah. talk about that? Because I think there was a whole litany of errors here. The first of which was Kepa booting it completely to the wrong side where there were no Chelsea players. So it basically... For no reason. He could just have passed yeah, it. Exactly. He wasn't under pressure. No. He could have passed it to the right. Exactly. So he booted it out to the... Uh, the, the I think it was his right... Yeah, and uh, of course it was going to come humming back, which is what it did. I, th- I thought it was a good pass to Sims. I think he he took up a good position because he was in between the two central defenders, which is exactly where you need to be as a striker, and it was a good pass. But I mean, Kula Bali was pathetic. I mean, somebody tried to say to me in the pub afterwards that uh, he he was more worried about giving a penalty away. Fair enough, but I mean to brush past him like that. I thought Enzo was a wall at that moment, uh, and actually I keep asking myself, well, where was Trevo? Surely he should have been in that position. But anyway, so he goes through Kudabali like a knife through butter, and then I mean, it just went under Kepper. It was it was a pathetic attempt at a save. I'm sorry, man, but you've got to do better than that, surely, Martin. Absolutely, I think I'm fairly sure he got a hand on it, and it's just bounced underneath him. The Kudabali thing—it was actually me who said he was trying to avoid concerning opponent because it, it looked like he stopped mid-challenge when he realised, oh fuck, it's in the area. I can kind of understand that but he just looked really awkward going in for a challenge juddering to a sudden halt and then Ellis Sims just completely outmuscled him and it was an okay shot it was on target but any keeper who supposedly international class as Kepper is supposed to be should be stopping that comfortably and he'll know that as well I'm sure he doesn't need telling but it's not ideal and you know we now know that we've got an ownership that are quite interventionalist on, you know, addressing needs in the team. And I think if Mendy's allowed to go, I think Kepper's position is at risk too, because they'll view the money spent on him as the previous ownership's money, not theirs. So they'll be quite happy to um, make the change, whether they believe that Slanina, I'm not convinced, or they go big for a, a name goalie. We shall see. I'd like to get Anana because then we can have Anana, Anana, and Fafana. <laughs> you know. And if I call him Anana, if he makes a mistake, yeah. that will be that Anana's made it an that Anana's is Anana because ooh, he, he ooh, have an Anana. Anana. Yeah. Let's no, all no. go down it, the strand. He looked very good on the week. He looked very good in the Champions League game in the week, so you never know. You never know. Well, we, we were looking at him uh, about the same time as we were looking at Kepper, I think. And then I, spit, I think say... he, got, he got banned for a failed drugs test shortly yeah, after. Actually. So, yeah, yeah it was a diuretic thing. So, them getting a new go- another goalkeeper is inevitable. Well, I think, I think really, I think the, 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 bare, the bare facts are that, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, the easiest way to, 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 to describe this is to say that basically Chelsea are still spineless. And I don't mean it in the pejorative sense that we normally use it, but we need a world-class goalkeeper, a world maybe the centre-back position's kind of being covered, but you could argue we still need... I mean, because Silva's a world-class. I think Fafana is, is, is a hell of a player. 
I'm not so sure about Koulibaly. Uh, Radia Shill on the left looked looked very good alongside Shilwell. We we don't have a cent- central defender, do we? Because Fafana's not no. a centre back, is he? I mean, he's a centre back, but he's I think he plays on either side. He's not the middle middle centre back, is he? We don't know. I mean, it depends whether they want to go four or five at well, the back. Yeah, in the absolutely. Future. Absolutely, but at the moment, though, it would be foolish to go in in any other way when you've got Chilwell and and James coming back to their best. Chil- Chilwell was great on Saturday. Chilwell is when he's, he's superb. He's been superb for the last four absolutely. or five matches. Easily, absolutely, yeah. Arguably absolutely. our best player in every match. Although I, I other other than the chip that he did to give the ball down the other end for the the, the sequence of events for the goal was. He chipped the ball away to somebody in the uh, on the halfway line, so it then came back and it went to Kepper, and Kepper then booted the ball aimlessly up the pitch. You shouldn't blame Chilwell, but it was the only error that he made uh, in the afternoon. Um, but uh, but I'm I'm, I'm it, 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 I feel the coincidence of the team getting better uh, and and Potter's resurgence is something that one should pay attention to because I don't think Potter's had a great deal of involvement in this. I think it's just fortunate that the better players have reappeared. Sorry, I've been very scathing. No, no, it's all right. Anyway, look, going back to what I was saying, maybe we don't need a centre-back because maybe we, we, amongst all of that, we do have one. But a goalkeeper, yes. A defensive midfielder, yes. A creative midfielder, as in, you know, a goal-scoring midfielder. A proper, creative, a hazard-type figure, if you like. And a striker. So we we, we still lack a world-class spine, which... You know, really, you kind of need if you want to be challenging for the top honours on a regular basis. You could add to this mix a world-class manager too, I suspect. I don't think we're far off. No, know? I don't. I mean, that's the point. We're two or three players off, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. And possibly a world-class manager, you could argue. Yeah, and I think that goes hand in hand with it, I'm afraid. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the best tweets I saw the weekend was that they'd you know, come to an opinion on the transfer fee that was paid for Enzo Fernandez and it was that we underpaid for him. Yeah, I he saw been, that he well. has been he has been magnificent. And I think he helps out a lot answers a lot of questions in our midfield. It's like you say we just need to get the other pieces around it. Yeah. Possibly a change in the dugout as well. We're not far off. We're it's not. just very it's just very frustrating seeing where it is now when you know it's not gonna take that much of a push to make it better. The dilemma is we've got two weeks off and I'm afraid I can see it being exactly the same against Villa because it seems to me it doesn't matter how much time he has to work with them. We, it, it, nothing seems to change because it's, it's down to his man management on the pitch. He's 37. Think, he's had nearly a full he, Premier Sorry to interrupt. He's no, had no, nearly he, a full Premier League season now. He's at 37 games in charge. Yeah. It's 38 in a season. So there's more than enough body of evidence there and there will certainly be more come the end of the season because we'll have played I mean, another 10 15 games. I know I know JK never holds back on, on when it comes to Potter, but what I tell you what was really I mean I know it was frustrating. It did feel like a defeat. Those last minute equalizers always make it feel like you've lost when you actually you haven't. Um but what I found was really really interesting was I mean last week we we tongue in cheek called the show Grand Potter's Blue and White Army. Uh, the mood in, in in the supporters was just phenomenal after after beating Dortmund. It was a, it really genuinely was a great night at the Bridge, like like it used to be in the old days. But we don't win, and then the negativity all returns. But what what's absolutely really surprised me, J.K. is, I mean, you know, I always sit here and say, well, Twitter's no barometer of anything. It's full of idiots, blah de blah de blah. But I mean, we all we're all on Twitter, all three of us. And we know a lot of 
we know a lot of people who are mates who we see who we think are you know are fairly honest but fairly rational fairly level-headed about it they don't play their you know they don't spit their dummies out or nappy shit as tony would say and i'm seeing tweets by people like that who are absolutely i mean clayton's absolutely over over potter massively uh mr x uh all of we all know who he is don't we um you know he he was absolutely just went on a, a very long twitter tri- diatribe about about him a lot of people that we would consider pretty reasonable people uh, uh are not having him at all you know um and so what i'm trying to say here is that i don't think this is just the uh, the usual flip-flopping we don't win so we throw our toys out of the pram i think i think there's i've not seen anything quite like this actually because you know for example, I hated Rafa on principle. I didn't like Sarri because it was I just hated the football. So there was a viscerality about that which which made sense. Potter's, you know, had a lot of issues to deal with. He's had a lot of bad luck too. But it's and he's a, he's a nice. There's nothing to really dislike about Potter at all. He's he, he's such what is my a stuffed shirt as my wife would call him. You know, <laughs> uh, there isn't much to dislike about him, and yet. You know, all even all the reasonable people are saying no, we're not having him. So, I, 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 Martin, can you put? I mean, you, 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 you're as scathing about Twitter as I am. What do, what do you think? Well, I, I'd also like to point out, I don't think, I don't think I'm having Potter either. Nice bloke, well, but, I'm, I'm not not, either, but a I'm nice having. bloke, but I don't necessarily think a nice bloke is I'm necessarily. Spartacus. <laughs> Sporticus, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's, you know, he's a nice guy. Great doesn't mean he should be the next Chelsea manager. You know, the only person who's managed to do that successfully in recent memory is Carlo Ancelotti. And he had a bit, he had gravitas and bite about him. I think some of it just goes back to the circumstances behind the sacking of Thomas Tuchel. Now I know he's not coming back, get over him, et cetera, et cetera. And there's been other rumours about what's been going, what went on, what, what went on to cause the sacking. But, um, yeah, it's just um, you <laughs> bastard! Stop it! <laughs> Thank fuck, this is an audio-only show. <laughs> um, but I, don't, I think he was foisted upon us. He wasn't wanted. So, like you said with Benitez, you're not wanted here. Well, Potter, he hasn't got that treatment yet. But arguably, who, when he was appointed, said definitely, I want Grand Potter as the next manager. Anyone, who, there might be a handful, but I wouldn't put too much credence on what they say. I, th- I thought when it happened, Pochettino would be the next person in the door. I mean, I was wrong. But, um, yeah, I just think he's been foisted upon us, not quite over the sacking of Tuchel. And because of, you know, the nature of his dismissal, we're never going to hear the full story. It's never going to come out. And when you can't, when you don't have truth and openness, you get resentment and people being pissed off. And, that's where we are. I, you know, I suppose it's the equivalent of having Liz Trust, the fucking Prime Minister, and they were both appointed in the same week, so there you go. Maybe there's a coincidence there, but they got rid of Trump quickly. Yeah, I know. They got rid of... Yeah, I know. Well, I thought it was I thought it was going to be a sweep between the two and see which one got sacked first. So... Um, I don't I don't know about that. I think that's a bit harsh, Martin. I think I think he's nothing like Liz Trust. But, well, he's actually a, no, not as a person. For fuck's sake, I actually no. Like I don't, I don't think the appointment's but... anything like that either. To be honest, I mean, I agree. But he with, was foisted upon us. Well, I I agree with that. He he was foisted on us in the name of the project that we 
you know that we we don't really know a lot about. I mean, they have told us what it's about. So that's and a the, bit the other point, really, but... I'd, sorry, the other point I'd make is if they had decided to cut the tie with Tuchel in the summer and make the appointment in June, Graham Potter isn't in that equation. He became a flavour of the month appointment because there was a clamour at the start of the season after he had four games and Brighton did really well. It was, oh, Grand Potter deserves a chance at the next so-called Big Six club. And lo and behold, that's what happens. In June, he's not in the... He's never in the frame. No, I, well, indeed. And I mean, you know, the, the, the foisting upon us or, or what... I mean, all, all managers are foisted upon us, really, because we never... Well, the ownership to... was foisted upon us well, as well. The, I so know, I know. One's but a cipher for the other. We never get a choice is the point that I'm making. But I think if, if you know, I don't, I, I agree with you entirely. I don't think anybody, apart from the, the strangest of, of, of football hipsters, were advocating for Graham Potter to be the Chelsea manager. Because, I mean, I know we, we say this and we throw this around a lot. Well, he's not Chelsea, is he? He's not, well, he's not Chelsea in the context of he bleeds blue, he has a connection to the club, he used to play for the club, whatever. No, he's not that, but very few managers are. But he just doesn't have that that personality that swagger that confidence that aura that gravitas you mentioned about carlo you know the whole kind of elite elite coach that we've got used to and i think he will always pale uh compare in, in comparisons with that and of course we know the club have hired him because they think that um they like the way that brighton are run they thought he could did a good job at brighton he's a very stats-based approach which is what theirs is as well and i think he says yes to them a lot I don't think Roberto de Sherby would have been saying yes to them as much as Potter has. No, so there we go. We ain't going to solve it, though, because as we've all recognised, um, he's not going anywhere, um, certainly in the short term, that's for sure. Um, I mean, you know, the, the one thing that occurs to me about all of this, JK, uh, yes, there was, a, there was a lot of negativity after the game, particularly on Twitter, but not from the usual suspects. The mood in the pub was was frustrated, but I mean, we all recognised that we'd played pretty well. Um, we've just had it wasn't a... helped, Chidge. Chidge. It wasn't helped by the amount of noise the Everton fans made. Well, draw, which I, but... was unbelievably, I mean, out of proportion. It was just bizarre. It was like it was as if they'd won. They're out of the relegation zone from that point. Up, so yeah, also, yeah, yeah. Remember, we I, haven't. I, talked I, about I don't. I, I don't. Third I, I don't Rotten. give. I don't give a fuck about the Everton fans. No, but I felt that that didn't help the atmosphere. No, no, of course not. It wound us all up, but that's what I thought yeah. fans do. The point is, is that there was actually a lot of people in the pub when I mean, Martin was there, so he knows this, that, you know, w we were frustrated, we were pissed off because it felt like a defeat, even though it was a draw, but we all recognised that we played quite well. We've had a really good few matches where, you know, I thought we played well against Leicester, we did really well against Dortmund. So what, what, what I'm really asking here is, are we getting into a stew about nothing here? I think we were laughing a lot at Antonio Conte as well. I don't know. <laughs> that cheered us all that may have cheered us up a little bit. <laughs> I think so Grandpa funny. should should make a phone call and say, thank you very much, Antonio. You took the heat right off me there. But, but Chich, how, how is that? Uh, how are we making a, a, well, a fuss I just, about I just wonder. I just wonder if we, you know, if, if I think, you know, in a sense, what I'm trying to say, I'm not saying it very well, and, and that's a good, it's a fair point for, for coming back on me on that. I just wonder if, if, Potter is confusing the issue slightly because of how we feel about Potter, etc., etc., etc. We're not we're not seeing it for what it was, which is basically 
a match where we played pretty well. Things are beginning to gel. We've got good players who are... Be- and as I said on Friday, I said I have a feeling that, that a lot of these Chelsea players have woken up and remembered that they're good players and they play for Chelsea. It, it had It's had that feeling the last few weeks. But for a couple of stupid uh, defensive errors, one in particular, we would have won that game and maybe maybe we wouldn't be so, oh, it's all, you know, fucking Potter, blah, 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 blah. You know, not that we're being too outrageous about him. Do you, do you see what I mean? That's what I mean when I say, are we getting in a stew about nothing? I mean, maybe the next game we'll, it, we'll play really, really well. We might, might make some stupid errors and we'll win 3-0, you know. Yes, your argument is a good one. Perhaps we are. But at the same time, we were playing a team who were third from bottom. And the Chelsea that we know and love should have blown them away, particularly the way we were playing up until the 60th minute. And we then can only analyse the situation and say, from the 60th minute, we didn't play as well. The next half hour was a bit hit and miss. All right, we got the goal back through a decent piece of of football with um, uh, Reese being fouled and, uh, you know, decent penalty from Havertz. But um, from then on, you could hardly say there was the same fluidity that there had been in the first 60 minutes. So, and who can you blame for that? Do you blame the players? All right, you blame the players. I think they sh- I think they could all collectively shat the bed. Well, because they didn't feel. But did they, was that because they didn't feel that, that that the manager had made the right decision? They didn't. They saw that something wasn't working. What was the reason that they all shat the bed? Well, they have they have a little bit of agency as well. You know, it's not entirely on the manager. If they, you know, if they, you, if you think it's not going well, grab it by the scruff of the neck. No, in, indeed, but then if if the one substitution changes it all as it did, um, is it like a is it a group objection to the manager? Is it somehow it? Why does it all then fall apart? Well, it falls apart because you've lost an attacking focus. So it is down to the management. The manager's made a decision to change an attacker for a midfield player, despite the the same system being played, and therefore there isn't an out. There isn't a speedy player driving it forward there isn't the player that is advanced that allows Havertz to come in behind him so it 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 mucks it up a bit doesn't it the fluidity goes and who do you blame for that is it a player's problem or is it the manager should notice this on the touchline and think right that's not working what do I do do I do I uh, offend Cotter and take him off and, and bring on a forward he doesn't, he doesn't seem to care about that. He brought on Mundweke well, the other day. I mean, he could have taken Kovacic off, dropped Connor back and put Mudrik on instead. Indeed. And played indeed. Mudrik with Havertz. Absolutely. I mean, I'm wasting waste doing this show. Make me the fucking manager. Hey, well, I've suggested that frequently. That's true. You have. Well, he's wasted during the show. <laughs> and he got, he got the team selection absolutely right. I think Potter was listening to the show. I know. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's so, a... I don't know whether that answers your question, but are you... You, you look at the team, yeah, all right, we're, should we just go, oh, well, they're gelling. Oh, well, yes, it's 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 the process. It's evolving. They've got to bed in. Yeah, they haven't. They're not quite used to each other yet. Or or do we go, for fuck's sake, we played well together for three games. We've beaten Dortmund. We're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. We're playing Everton. Difficult side, yes. We know what they'll do. They'll be very physical. They're very good at set pieces. But we're a much better team than then. Uh-oh, we've started to defend slightly oh we've made some substitutions oh they've made some terrible errors what what happens mentally to them are they because they're not you know you'd have thought in the last five minutes of the game i have to say after we went to uh two go after they got to a drawing position at two two we played out of our skins and should have scored 
because we were all over them. Well, why were we all over them suddenly? We should have been all over them before. We were all over them originally. We were all over them completely from the beginning. So, you know, who do you blame in the end? You can only but blame the management manager for that. No, you can't. You can't blame him for making a pig's ass of it like Koulibaly did or Kepa. No, indeed, indeed. But we'd have been fortunate, I think. At the it would have been well. You expect class players like Koulibaly and supposedly Kepa not to make those fucking errors, yeah. don't you? Really, but yeah. And it's a bit like we say, you know. I mean, you can't you can't blame the manager for 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 players, you know, missing an open goal six yards out, you know, or or hitting the post when the ball should go in, you know. But you. you I think it's very. I mean, I think we've been. This has been a running theme, theme, a theme throughout the show tonight, really. Which is, you know, where does the culpability really lie? Of course, the truth is always in between. So there's culpability for Potter for some of the substitutions he made, which didn't make players. sense, and there's culpability for the players for making errors, as Martin said, shit in the bed when they shouldn't have done, etc., etc., etc. So really, you know, it's like I said, it's it's on all of them. But I. I, I I have this nagging I have this nagging thing in the back of my head, J.K., and and I I didn't phrase it very well or articulate it very well, but I do wonder if we are getting a in a, in a stew about nothing because, you know, Martin will say this again if I asked him, which is there's nothing we can do. Potter is here for the season, as far as we're all aware. And secondly, you know, there are good things that are beginning to happen, but I just think that we're in this mentality, you know. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I'm interested in the psychology of people and how it all works. And I, I mean, I'm guilty of that as, as much as anybody. But you look at people like Clayton, he's absolutely made his mind up. And I think there's a lot of this about. I think a lot of us have, I mean, I say I haven't made my mind up, but I have because I, I freely admit that I, I didn't want him. I don't think he's a Chelsea manager, but I will, you know, accept the decision and I will hope it turns out. And if he wins the Champions League and every everything else, I'll, I'll be very happy for him. But I think in my heart, I've made my mind up too, like a lot of us have. And I think maybe that's affecting our, our, our assessment of what's happening on the pitch. I am trying to be as objective as possible about this, despite having gone for him early on, encouraged by, by uh, Martin, I may say. Thank you, Martin, indeed, for your suggestion um, <laughs> uh, about the press conferences. But um, uh, there, There's Martin. a natural end to that if we ever win something, which I'll let you know if it ever happens. <laughs> I'm seen to be shooting myself in the head. I guess. No, you just don't say anything despite him being really banal. I just have a dopey smile on your face. <laughs> no, what you do, then, what you wait yeah. till the end, you drop the mic and you walk off. Yeah, and then just ends. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. But I just think you look for reasons, and I think the major problem with the game was that we were excellent and completely in charge, and he made a substitution, and we weren't. So I can only go, you've changed the pattern, they're playing differently, why? That's all I will say in the end about that. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. And I think we will make that the final point. It was so excellent and unarguable, JK, uh, which means I've got a couple more pluggeroonies to read out, as I do, because I very, very remiss of me the other week. I completely forgot to uh, give... Uh, the Kings Meadow Chronicle a plug, so I will do it now. It's a fa it's a new fanzine, and it's on the Chelsea women's team, and it's produced by our very own Dean Mears uh, as a compliment to his excellent Went to Mo Kings Meadow podcast, uh, and it features writers. Obviously, Dean is involved. Dane from this parish, Clayton as well, uh, as well as 
many others. Sophie Spittle, who's on the on the podcast with them quite a lot. Grace Cooper, Rianne Hoskins, to name but a few. Now, Dean sells it at the uh, King's Meadow ground, uh, obviously when they're playing at home, and it is £2 for a physical copy. If you if you still want a physical copy and you can't get to the game, don't worry, you can actually subscribe to it and or just get an issue on an issue uh, uh, on an issue by issue basis. And it's uh, £2 plus postage and packing, uh, the details of which can be found at kingsmeadowchronicle.bigcartel.com. Uh, it's also available as a PDF for £1. Uh, so there we go. So get on that. Now, talking of fanzines, there is only one fanzine, really, and it is CFC UK. And uh, I think the last few copies were on their way out the door uh, on Saturday, but there is a new one incoming, I think. Uh, there's certainly a deadline of next Friday, so there'll be one coming out for the Villa game, I presume. Uh, again, if you want to get one in person, you just can, can wander on uh, along to the stall opposite Fulham Broadway Tube. Uh, but if you can't do that every week, every other week, then you can subscribe to CFC UK by emailing fanzine at cfcuk.net and uh, you can get a hard copy sent in the post. 18 quid if you're in the UK, 40 quid if you're in Europe, 56 quid if you are in the rest of the world. And uh, if you if you don't want a hard copy, you can also get that digitally as a PDF, which will be emailed to you. Uh, a subscription for a year is six quid or a pound each, all payable via PayPal get on it people now uh, when we come back we are having some very lovely guests it's kerry levy and gary hayes from the chels as we know them but who have got a new podcast coming out called the blueprint real fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast proper chelsea Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge. And as always, I have the delectable Jonathan Kidd. Oh, Chidge, you spoil me. I know. I'm just showing off, mate. You know that. Uh, we've also got the wonderful, wonderful Martin Wickham with us. Hello. And I'm delighted to say we haven't done this for ages, but we've got two guests live, live on the show. And I have to say that this is so much fun because it's it's almost like a bit of a reunion uh for three of the people uh that i'm talking about and uh for me it's delightful because i've been listening to their show the chelsea for ages and i feel i feel i feel a, a lot of brotherly love because i because i'll introduce the first time we get into that but we've got gary hayes two r's and the lovely kerry levy who are from the chelsea podcast now i'm gonna first question to you kerry I think I we I can't remember because it's so bloody long ago. But we're we're about to celebrate our fifteenth birthday on the Chelsea Fancast next month. So we we we've been going since April. Well, this incarnation of it has been going since April two thousand and eight. I can never remember when the Chelsea started, but I reckon it was around the same time, wasn't it? Nineteen oh five is when we started. <laughs> yeah, and you were sponsored by Marconi, weren't you? He <laughs> meant five yeah. minutes past seven. He just used to stand outside the bridge and shout. People just came round. <laughs> a little bit. And then I got a megaphone. It was great. Now, but come no, on, how long have you been doing it? Seriously. I, I think it's 14 years. I think you've just been going a little bit longer than us. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. I, I've always had that. I've, I've felt, always felt a real simpatico between you and us. It always, there seems to be a similar, a similar kind of vibe going. It's probably because you're all old like we are, really. But there you go. <laughs> 
Uh, Kerry, it's lovely to have you on the show. Uh, likewise. Uh, lovely to reacquaint you with JK, who obviously I nicked from the Chels. Or, or did you give him away to me? I've still not really decided. I, I can't remember if it... I think it was a loan and we were expecting him to get him back. Um... <laughs> but, but like, not like, the way I remember yeah, it, Kerry. Like, like Inter Milan, like Inter Milan, I never paid, right? <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> so what you're saying is... um. Jonathan Kidd did a Mason Mount carry and uh... <laughs> that's kind of, that that was it. We were just trying to give him some more game time, and then he went. No, he no. just didn't get off of the same deal as Andy Saunders, and he fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> I think the reality was you said to me, "No, you can't be on both fan casts." <laughs> this is well, what that's we a reality. Want. Fight, 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 <laughs> fight, fight. Yeah, Lovely. but that's fair enough because you know you can't be no, doing I, I, everything. I, agreed, and I, like... I made the decision to go with with Chidge. So exactly, oh, <laughs> he's offering me more more regular outings. <laughs> I, I, exactly, and that's what you need. To, you need when you're getting on. You need to start <laughs> making ego, your appearance. My ego needed it exactly, and also I couldn't compete with with people like Gary here. No, because so. he's much oh, better. I, 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 I've, I haven't been on the shelves for that long. No, but, no. You well, actually, how long have you been on the shelves for? Because and I should I should preface this because this is really making me giggle because we're not going to talk about it. But somebody emailed me the other week or tweeted me and said, for fuck's sake, get Gary Hayes on your show. He's brilliant because he's the only one who's sticking up for Potter and we need to hear some ba balance. I think they were American. Ooh. I could be wrong. And, really? I, and I'm chuckling because we have got you on the show and we're not going to talk about Potter. So there we go. <laughs> so how, how uh, long but, have you been we, on the we, show? We, well, we were working this out the other day because basically what happened was um, the way it came about was I was on... Do you remember The Standard had that really... I can swear, right? Yeah, yeah. That that We've shitty quite that, that, that shitty cock, TV channel. It was like London cock. London Live or something. It's full of cocks. Ah, and, uh, and Cundy. <laughs> no, 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 Jason. It, I was on Jimmy Bull. Yeah, because Jason Cundy took it over from Jimmy Bullard, right? Um, but I, I was on there with Jimmy, and um, there was this guy called Mike Lee on there, and uh, and he said to me after, he went, "Oh, you're you're really funny. You don't take this stuff seriously." you should go and do this podcast called The Chels. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll be a, a guest. I'll, I'll go on as a guest. So then um, I got a call the next day from this guy called Kerry. And then it's about nine years later, I can't fucking get rid of him. No way. Well, Mike, Mike started it all up, didn't he, originally? Because I, I used to know Mike, because Mike was Phil, probably still is Phil Cornwall's agent. I don't know if he's still his agent, but yeah, I think they even still yeah. do... That team's the podcast. <coughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. exactly. Anyway, that sounds like a good idea to move on if we're beginning to invoke them. Right. The reason you two boys are on here, apart from the fact that we, 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 we've known and loved you for years and years and years, is that uh, you've got a, a brilliant, brilliant idea, uh, Gary. Now, when you emailed me about this earlier in the week, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Um, yeah. Did, didn't you didn't you do an interview with me for this? And I couldn't for the life of me remember what on earth it was. But basically, yeah. explain the original idea, explain why you're on it, explain what you're about to launch. Well, and this is why we we're having the conversation the other day about how long we've known each other, because um, what happened is um, I don't like praising him. But when I first met Kerry, we were just chatting. He kept calling me every day because he was he was a bit like Ken Bates. He liked my insight. Um, so he was always calling me to talk about Chelsea. And then um, he said, oh, you should watch this documentary I did called Bananas, which is about the band Gorillaz. And um, so I watched it. And at the time, I had this idea for this this documentary I wanted to do. And I saw it and I thought, oh, shit, this guy, 
is doing the stuff that I want to do. And there was, there was this one bit in it that I found really interesting where I liked the way he carried the narrative where um, Damon at the start is trying to flick a cigarette in his mouth and he can't do it. And then at the very end, they're in the airport and Damon gets the cigarette and he flicks it in his mouth and catches it. And he looks in the camera and says, that took me fucking seven years to do that. And I was just like, oh, wow, it's amazing the way he's told this seven-year narrative, but there's no time in there at all. And then he bookends it so well. I was like, I fucking love that. And I, so I called him and I said, look, I've got this idea. I've been working on it for a little while. This was in 2016. I've been working on it for a year. And at the time it was called The Chelsea Chronicle because I wanted to make it all about, you know, this narrative series about Chelsea. And I wanted it to all be about Chelsea versus Barcelona because I hate Barcelona. I want to make this series about how we had basically schooled them and they had tried to put us back in our box and they hadn't done it, you know. Then we were the team that had sort of just fucked them all the time we played them. And um, so I sat down with Kerry and we were in Old Street and we sat this conversation in the cafe. And then I flew out to New York and um, I interviewed Frank Lampard. It was my first interview for it. And then um, here we are eight years later. Mm-hmm. Kerry's nearly died twice. I've nearly died. I nearly ended up in a wheelchair. We've had a global pandemic. And uh, now we're getting this series out finally. Oh, thank God. And, and the whole purpose here. of it, and the whole purpose of it is really... We changed the narrative to expand it so that it's the the telling of the story of modern day Chelsea and how they change football. So really starting off with the Premier League period and going all the way through to the first Champions League win in 2012. So covering that that whole range of the change of Chelsea from also rounds into a superpower. Yeah, we were sat there in the cafe in Old in Old Street and um Kerry just said to me, this story's bigger than the Barcelona stuff. And we started planning it out. And then we just got the the narrative of the perennial also rounds of 92 at the advent of the Premier League right through to Munich. So the line I keep spouting off to everyone is that what took Chelsea 20 years to achieve has taken us eight years to tell. But here we are telling it now. It's a lovely, it's a lovely narrative arc too, I think, 92 to 2012. If you'd have waited another 10 years, you could have gone from uh, Potterfield to, sorry, Porterfield to Potterfield. Really, you know. Well, that's that's series easy, two, easy rounds to, you know. Well, I, well, you know. No, but in, you know, joking apart, it is a lovely narrative art because I think ninety two is a wonderful place to start it, being the beginning of the Premier League, and we weren't too bloody good then, and we end up twenty years later winning the Champions League. And I, 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 I was intrigued when I was reading your brief on it earlier today because it, it, you know, it kind of made us, it made us sound like like we'd come out of nowhere to win the Champions League. But actually, if you think about it. Because a lot of people's narrative arc about modern-day Chelsea really starts with Hoddle, doesn't it? That's it's where like, ours starts. Yeah, but you you said you said beginning the Premier League, so it's ninety two. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So Hoddle comes in a year later, but we've got a little bit of Dave Webb in there. Um, we touch upon Ian Porterfield a little bit, but where we get really heavy is when Hoddle comes in mm. after Webb has been the the interim, the classic Chelsea interim manager. So we've got a lot of stuff in there, like you know, we, we spoke to players like David Lee and others who tell us the stories about why Webb didn't get the job. So it's almost like this sliding doors moment of, God, imagine if Webb had got the job where Chelsea would have gone because he was a used car salesman before he came back to Chelsea. Which so you can imagine you... the culture that he was bringing in. Did but then what happened is... Him? Sorry? Did you interview him? Did he... Was he who? happy to be interviewed? David yeah, Webb? yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah right. They've done it. And, um, and yeah, so we spoke to him then... We did David Lee and a few others, and David Lee just like dropped this corker about how um, Dave Webb tried to sell him to Palace because he was on the take, apparently. 
um, for they were so, oh, I forget who it is they were bringing over from Palace. And Dave Webb phoned him and just said, "Yeah, you're going to Palace tomorrow." And Dave Lee went, "I ain't fucking going to Palace." And uh, he went in and saw Bates and said, I don't want to go. And Bates went, well, you don't have to if you don't want to then. He went, no, I'm not going. So then he had a big bust up with Dave Webb and then it caused loads of problems. And then that meant that Dave Webb didn't get the Chelsea job. And then in walks Glenn Hoddle. Wow. I mean, JK, you look poised like a cobra. Are you about to say something? No, I'm trying to think. Was it was a bloke called Thorne who played for Palace? Was it him at the time? You know what? It might have been. Yeah, it's it's, it's all... Thorne. Yeah, I, sh- I should I should know this off by heart because it's all in the audio that we're cutting up. But um, I think it might have been they were trying to do a trade, and David Lee was like, I think Webb was on, you know, taking some backhanders. Um, allegedly, as, allegedly, um, as was the case with a lot of managers back then. Because um, it's, it's funny because I just did an interview with um, with Ken Moncal for Chelsea, and he was saying about how I never knew this. Moncal went to Southampton for a million. He'd just signed a five year deal to be at Chelsea at the end of '92. And then a week later, he gets sold to Southampton. But Chelsea only ever received seven hundred and fifty grand of the transfer fee. He said, "I don't know what Ian Porterfield did with the other two fifty. Oh wow! Well, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> so Chelsea, well, isn't it? Can I just ask: was was Bates basically not offering the job to Webb because he had Hoddle lined up? Do you think that the no? Time- what happened was um, Webb ended up causing a lot of issues, and Bates he just knew that. Um, Webb wasn't the guy to take the club the forward. Man. And what happened is, I don't know if this is well known, but um, Glenn had been training. He'd, he'd come back from Monaco and randomly, for some mm. reason, been training with Chelsea, playing for the reserves. Um, so the likes of David Lee and that absolutely loved him and he was getting along with them all. And then um, he came in and took the manager's job after being at Swindon. I mean, t- talking to Bates, I mean, one thing I didn't realise, um, and, I, and I really do want to know everybody that you've got on this show because it does sound fantastic. But uh, the thing that really caught my eye was this interview did, with Bates because I know, I mean, you know, it's quite. this is quite interesting this is all coming out now because I'm sure you've both watched Poundland on BT Sport recently, which which purports to be this kind of great documentary about effectively the Bates versus uh, Matthew Harding uh, tiff and all that, you know, all that period in the in the in the early to mid nineties, uh, which we're really talking about. So, and they couldn't get Bates for that, which which basically kind of rendered it, you know, like a jaffer as far as I'm concerned. They're sitting there talking about Bates all the time. And you don't get a word from the great man. So I know how hard it is to get him to talk about about anything, which unusual considering what he was like when he was the chairman of Chelsea when he even had his own bloody column. But how did you manage to get him to talk, Kerry? Well, I I have to say, again, um, this is a compliment to Gary. Uh, Gary got in touch with him and they built up a relationship over a period of a few months. And Ken and Gary would be talking quite a lot, building up. It was a matter of building up the trust so that Ken knew we weren't trying to stitch him up or do anything other than get the definitive long-term interview, which he hasn't really done because there's little pockets of things he said all over the place, but actually sit down with him. And we sat down for four hours with him and did a full, deep, in-depth interview where he revealed a lot of stuff, but that wouldn't have happened if Gary hadn't built the relationship with him. And I think that that is the way you have to work sometimes with, with people like Ken Bates. You have to build up the trust because there's so many... The problem is with sports, there's so many journalists who want to go and get the scuzzy stories and and the more sordid details straight away and use that as the focus, as opposed to what we're trying to do, which is tell a a real story, but tell it in a proper documentarian kind of way. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, he trusted us. So that there are, there are eight episodes. Well, I I can't wait. I mean, I've seen some of the quotes he came out with Kerry, and you know, he's it's same old baits. You know, same old. Oh, baits. The, the stuff that he talks about. Um, because but what happened was um, it's a funny story. I, I was at Centre Parks and um. And where I was, I had no service all week, which was good because I was trying to have a holiday. And then I went up to bring my bike back and uh, I had all these voicemails come through. I was like, oh, okay. And then there was like all these numbers. And it was like, um, I was like, I don't recognize this. Um, I don't recognize this area code. It's like plus 377. What country is that? And when I looked up, I was like, it's Monaco. I was like, who's that? And I listened to the messages and then it was like, oh, hi, this is Ken. I was like, oh, and then I got to like at voice number five. Are you ignoring me, you cunt? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. So I, I phoned him and I was like, is that Mr. Bates? Is that Gary? Where the fuck have you been? I'm so sorry. I've had no service. And we just, um, we had this long conversation and then he, he just phoned me almost every day for a few months. And then, um, and then he invited us over and we just, we spent the, an entire day with him and Susanna. And then we spoke to him for four hours. And, he brought um, some great sandwiches as well. Yeah, which, which Kerry made sure he polished off. Gary, can I ask, what was the original reason for for, for you making the contact with him? You, for, for, for the blueprint. Yeah, for the blueprint is that, um, and so I've, I've worked at Chelsea off and on now for nearly 20 years. And um, basically I've just done some ringing around and basically got into Ken's inner circle and, um, and just had a lot of good people sort of put a good word forward for me, really. Which... And, and also the, the, the thing was that we recorded all these interviews and, and actually because Bates is so integral to the initial part of the story, the idea was to go and interview him, do whatever, 10, 20 minutes or, or what have you. And then, use some of the quotes but when we were there we suddenly he realized he was going to give you the meat and two veg on his Chelsea story gave so, us everything from the moment he walked into the club and I said I goes we're here to talk about but I want to talk about this I was like, okay so and then what happened is we we did it in two parts we had a break for some lunch I sat at a table with him just having a little chat while Kerry was was with Susanna then we sat back down again and I said okay Ken so um can you talk to us about Matthew Harding and then an hour later, he finished. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, when you said, can you talk about Matthew Harding? He then pulled out this huge book about, you know, an inch and a half thick with all his notes. And he just said, right, I will begin. And he he and says it, everything. Yeah. And he, he, but, he, he so basically what we've done is to sort of just put this into context of the blueprint um, is that part of the agreement with Ken was that, um, you know, I'm not really a journalist. I've never written a line of news in my life or anything like that. But, um, you know, I've always done features and stuff. And I I just spent weeks and weeks and weeks chatting to Ken and just him getting to know me. And, um, you know, he'd, he'd always, like, take the piss of my accent and he'd, he'd phone me and be like, oh, hello, I'm just looking out over the Mediterranean, drinking a glass of red. How's the council estate? And I was like, oh, it's good, Ken. You know, um, the bin men haven't been to that. And I'll just make all these jokes. I think he liked it. And... Um, and then he, yeah, he invited us over. But part of the agreement was, um, he said, "I'll do this, but you've got to put the full interview out." He said, um, "I'll explain what we're doing." I was, "Look, it's a narrative series. It's basically an audio documentary, Ken. So you're going to be cut into everything with everyone else." Um, I said, "But we want to tell this story as well because we think it's really important." 
Um, and he said, yeah, that's fine, but I want you to put the full interview out as well. So we were going to do it um, as the full series and then the Ken Bates takes. We just thought that we're trying to get some attention for this. So we'd release the stuff with Ken first, um, which is great. So that comes out on Tuesday, the 21st of March. It'll be available on all podcast platforms if you just search the blueprint, how Chelsea FC changed football. And then you get the two parts of the Ken Bates tapes and then the full narrative series will follow in, in May. Um, and what we've done with this is um, it's been eight years in production off and on. Uh, like I say, there's been a lot that's gone on in between um, with health issues and um, God, this I got divorced over this. Um, I've sold my house over this. I've done so much, haven't I, Kerry? It's crazy. But, um, and you're still uh, here. But we, we've interviewed 180 people from Chelsea and that's players, executives. And a lot, some of them, are, they couldn't speak because they had NDA. So they spoke off the record for us just to give us a bit of insight and push us in the right direction. But we're branding it as the definitive story of modern Chelsea, really, because it's a story about what happened at Chelsea. But it's a story of what Chelsea did to sort of change the landscape of English and European football, just from the simple things of being the first club that really exploited the Bosman rule to being the team with the the first owner such as Roman Abramovich and and how that changed thing, things in football. And we think that the stuff with Ken is great because he's on record talking about stuff he's never spoken about publicly before, such as the stuff with Matthew Hardin, some of it that he talks about. But then um, bringing in, you know, we sat down and I just said to Ken, can you, it was getting near the end of the interview and I was like, I haven't asked him about Abramovich yet. So I said, can you tell us about Abramovich? And then he just opened up and told us how he sold the club to Abramovich in three hours. <laughs> Wow, yeah. Well, I mean, is there anybody on the show whose 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 voice you've had to mask because uh, they're not really allowed to talk about it, and yet you've got them on the show because they've said we'll do it. No, we, we we did suggest that we did yeah. suggest that, but they just said no. We'd just rather we just talk to you. Okay. And um, <laughs> so yeah, we have we haven't done any crime watch um, interviews, <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we've spoken to a lot of people and just heard stuff that I, I would go back to people at the club and. Um, yeah, I remember there was an interview we did with a former player and a coach at Chelsea. And when we did it, and we have, we have these release forms that everyone signs to say they're happy to be in it. Yeah. And when he left and like, I grabbed Kerry, and I was like, he did just say what he said, didn't he? And Kerry was like, yeah, he did, he did. And then I phoned people at the club and I said, he's just told us this. I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know that either. So we're getting all this stuff that, and I was working at the club at the time. And I was like, I didn't know this went on. But that's so the thing, got... isn't it? We, we, we're finding all this stuff out that actually people in the know didn't know. Uh, and that's been the extraordinary thing, is just going through all of this to find these absolute gems of stories just permeating the whole storyline that we've got. And what we thought was simplistic has become far more complex. Because but it's, it's, so even, it's, even stuff that, it's even stuff like the Champions League final. We sat down with, with Di Matteo and, and Eddie and... Um, I remember Rob, Rob, I remember I was, it was last March. It was just as, I don't know if you remember last March, the weather was turning and I was outside mowing the lawn. I was just getting ready to mow the lawn. And I got a call and it was Robbie. And I was like, fuck, like, I really want to mow the lawn, but I better take this call. What a dilemma. And I, yeah. And so I answered and I was like, all right, Robbie. <laughs> and he went, hey, Gary, how you doing? I haven't spoken to him for years. I thought he's not going to remember me. And I went, oh, all right. Did you get my voice, man? He said, yeah, hey, you're a filmmaker now. I went, no, 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 it's not a film we're doing. I said, it's all audio. There's no cameras and stuff. And um, and I just had this chat with him about it. And he just went, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. 
<laughs> he said, I'll do it. He goes, you know, I've never spoken about it. I went, I know. He said, yeah, I'll do it. He goes, it's fine. When do you want to do it? So we set it up and he was living in Leamington Spa at the time. So we just sent him a microphone in the post because he went, oh, don't come here. Just do, we'll do it on Zoom. We went, no, 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 we want to do it properly. So we sent him a mic in the post. It was just so funny because... I got the mic and I posted it and I've got a self-addressed envelope in there. I went to the post office and I got it all weighed and I put it in there and I went, Robbie, when you finish with the mic, mate, can you put it back in that envelope and then take it to the post office and hand it? And he did it. And then it, the next day it arrived before 11 a.m., you know, the microphone. And I was just thought there's a Champions League winner posting a microphone to me. I was like, how mad is that? But um, And we just sat down with him and spoke to him and I just thought, you know, he's, he's very guarded. And I just thought, oh, he's going to tell us a little bit, but he won't. And then the stuff that comes out, I was just like, oh my God. Like, and it, it, was, was, the mo- it was the most goosebumpy interview, I think. But the, stu- the stuff in the dressing room, Kerry, right? Where yeah. he, tell- he says stuff about what was happening in the dressing room before the Bayern game. And they were doing stuff in the dressing room that they couldn't do out on the pitch because they didn't want the Bayern team to see what they were doing because they were worried about them knowing the situation of certain players at the club. So they had to do stuff in the dressing room. Which Is that will... the injuries? Is that the injuries you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. So it all and but it, it, it's the stuff that's like I didn't realise what was going on. So what we did is we actually went a bit deeper and got some of those people that are in the dressing room to speak to us, um, who people don't really know exist really. Um, and they were, oh yeah, that happened. And to, and to them, they're like, really? Do you want to talk about this? Yes, we do. This is like really, really important. And then it was funny because. Um, I can't say what was said, but we got told some stuff and then by someone and then I wanted Robbie to corroborate it. And when I corroborated, Kerry was like, you shouldn't have said that because he didn't like it. And then the next day that guy called me and went, yeah, you know that stuff I said about that? Robbie said we can't use it, so it can't go in. And we're like, oh my God, if I know I kept my mouth shut. It was like really, really funny insight really into yeah and and also you just felt as though you're in the dressing room i mean because that what's fascinating about the interviews i think we've got and i'm not just saying this because we've done it but for a lot of these people it's turned out to be the first time they've said these things and you know what it's like when you get people talking to you the first time they say something is usually the most honest the most truthful the most open version of it that you hear because then they start dressing it up or changing it and you could hear in his voice that he'd not said most of this stuff ever out loud in public, probably to his friends and family, yeah. But to actually sit down with us and go through it. And he, we talked to him for about two hours, didn't we? Who, Di Matteo? Yeah. No, it's three hours. Three hours. Oh. You know, Three so hours. Why, a, he, why was he reluctant to, to, tell, to speak about it, do you think, originally? I just think they, don't, they just don't like doing it, and I think they get burned a lot. And Right. Maybe. And I'm not, I, I don't know, I'd like to know what the secret was, but everyone we've tried to speak to, even Lamps, right? Um, the first interview we did for it, I flew over to New York and um, it was 2016. And uh, it was like, I was, I was looking at the date earlier when we were chatting about it. And um, I flew over to, to, and he'd been injured. He's playing for NYCFC, he'd been injured. And, um, and they said, yeah, you can, we can do the interview of him in the locker room after the game because they let you in. Um, in the in the locker rooms in, in the US. So um, I flew over, but he'd been injured and they weren't sure if he was going to play and he came off the bench. But um, it was great because it was the, they called it the Hudson River Derby. And it was N- NYCFC against the New Jersey Red Bulls. And um, and the, the Red Bulls beat them 7-0 at Yankee Stadium. 
And I was just thinking... Well, in England, you wouldn't get a player, would you, for an interview? Well, yeah, but and I know Frank. I used like to you know, see him every day at the training ground. I just thought, he's not going to talk. He's just come back from injury. He's come on. They've just been smashed 7-0. Because um, I'll tell you, the, the day of the game as well, it was when... Um, it was when Palace played United in the cup final because they that game went to extra time, if you remember. And they delayed the kickoff in an MLS game so the fans could stay in the concourse to watch the FA Cup final. <laughs> um, and I remember sitting there like, what is going on? And um, anyway, so I just thought, he's not going to talk to me now. And I went in and Pirlo was just butt naked, looking beautiful. And like <laughs> after he'd come out of the shower. So that was that... worth the air for our lane, was it, Gary? Yeah, well, that's it. I, I was like, oh, like, going to be a duvet tent here in a second and uh, <laughs> and in the other corner is David Villa being interviewed by like ESPN Deportes and like Univision and all these Spanish broadcasters and just sat there by himself with no one bothering him was Lamps he was just sat there and he double looked double checked me and he was like Chelsea I went yeah it's Gary from Chelsea he goes what are you doing here do you live here and I was like no no I've flown over he goes before I goes to speak to you and he went, really he goes didn't they tell you about this he went no I said, well, this is what I'm doing. I told him what, what I was doing. He said, okay, then. He goes, where's the cameras? I went, there aren't any. It's just mic- It's just a microphone, Frank. And he went, all right. And we sat down and we had this amazing conversation about Barcelona 2005 right up to winning the Champions League. And um, that was the first interview we did for it. And from then, we just had this amazing luck that everyone we've wanted to speak to, by and large, has either spoke to us off the record or they've spoken to us. There's a few who haven't. Um, and that's usually Which, because they're already involved in other jobs and they're not yeah, or, in the country. Or, or they, their agents are just difficult to deal with. But um, there's a few that we still need to get. Did you get Drogba? There's a few we still need to get. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he's, he's, but, hard, he's quite hard, though, isn't he, to, to, to pin down? There, there's, I- there's, a couple, there's a couple. There's a couple, which is why... We're still able. We're still, you know, we're putting it together now. Where we're nearly finished, and it's still a great series. If we get Drogba, it's the icing on the cake. Yeah. But what we've got with Di Matteo and Newton from that Other final, thing. and you know, it just tells the story right from you know Eddie saying I was, you know, I was going to bed one night, putting the kids to bed, and it was seven o'clock, and I got a call, and it was Robbie, and he goes, I was living in Stratford upon Avon. And um, and I made the joke about Shakespeare and like, oh, even Shakespeare couldn't have written this like beautiful story for you, Eddie. He didn't get it. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and um, and I was, and he said, yeah, I got caught at seven o'clock and it was Robbie. And he said, um, you need to be at Cobham at 5 a.m. And he's like, why? He goes, because you're my assistant manager at Chelsea. And he went, oh, okay then. <laughs> and he said he was, dri- he was driving down from Stratford to any, look, this is in the series and, Kerry's probably going to say, oh, don't give too much away. But this is just nice, a nice little nugget to drop about that season because then um, uh, they they called all the players in early. And um, and Robbie says to Eddie that he goes to go in. He grabbed him and he said, you can't go in yet. And he goes, why? He goes, because I've got to talk to you. So they had this little chat and he says, before you go in, I want you to think about what it was like when we played at Chelsea and then go in and look at that dressing room and tell me what you see. And Eddie said, I walked in. He said, it wasn't Chelsea. He said, you had the English boys sat there. The Africans sat there. Spanish sat together. He said, it was just a completely broken dressing room. And that was the first thing they had to do was bring them all together. So what they did is they got Czech, Drogba, Terry and Lamps. And they just said, 
do you want to do anything this season? Yeah, we do, boss. Right, you need to bring it together. And those four got it all together and Chelsea won a Champions League. Good grief. I've almost got a tear in my eye just hearing that. Um, I mean... You have Joe Dabasingwa jumping in your interview, every interview you do about that. <laughs> <laughs> Should do. Listen, boys, I mean... Just on the taste of that we've... I mean, I knew this was going to be good anyway because I've known about it for a while. And uh, what I've heard from you two boys tonight absolutely confirms it. When I, I mean, you know, I know you know Mark Meehan quite well. And he's listening live as we speak. And he's just said, this is going to be well worth listening to. Mark, even for you, that's the biggest understatement I've heard in ages because this is going to be dynamite, guys. How, how, do we, how do we get our lug holes round this and when? So the Ken Bates tapes come out tomorrow, the 21st of March, Tuesday. And then um, what's going to happen is we were going to release the full series at the end of May, but um, the Champions League finals on the 10th of June. So we're going to release it after because when Chelsea get to the Champions League final, we don't want to get caught up in the news run around that. So hope, hopefully it's coming out end of June, but it's probably going to come out the end of May, right? But, um, it's called the fucking Champions League final now. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. The fucking Champions League finals on the 10th of June. So basically, it's, it's slated to come out end of May. If anything changes with Chelsea season, it will come out after the Champions League final, which I hope it does. Um, but but if you just search for us, um, you can follow us on social media. It's blueprint underscore pod or I'm Gary Hayes on on Twitter, where I'll just be banging on about this for the next couple of months. And Kerry is at Kerry Levy, C-E-R-I Levy. Um, and yeah, just just follow us there. And obviously go and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And just at the moment, because if you search Blueprint, you get all sorts of bollocks come up. If you just look up um, the Blueprint, how Chelsea FC changed football, then you'll be able to, to find us. It comes out tomorrow um, with the Ken Bates stuff. And that will be all the revelations from Ken, from how he... Is it, is, it on, pref- is it on Spotify, Apple? All yeah, Spotify, yeah, Apple. Ones, yeah, 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 everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. and any it, anywhere you're listening to the fan cast, you'll be able to hear right. it. Right. Um, and the, the other thing I'll just say is, um, it's taken eight years to do this, right? And um, I, I, we, we did London is blue, and we were chatting about it then. Um, the reason it's taken so long is you that mean, um, you mean Kerry... you went to them first, Gary? Oh, after uh, all oh, these only, years, after only all because these years. they record before you, Chidge. They record on Sundays. Yeah, there are people. Who dead, there are people who are dead who record before we do, mate. Honestly, <laughs> not ours. But then, um, but it's it's taken so long to do because obviously there's been a lot going on as well with pandemics and stuff. But um, just what one thing I'd ask of anyone is um, my big fear with this is that I built it up so much in my head um, that I just don't want it to be shit. It won't. So be. if you think it's shit, please don't tell me. If you think it's great, tell me. But it is my, and Kerry has to put up with this all the time where last summer when we were working on this, there was two weeks where Kerry was like, have you done that episode yet? And I sat on my computer for two weeks, absolutely shit scared to type a word. And um, so if anyone well, that's can... My, that's my job is to get rein you in. And about now I've got to rein you in and get you back in the edit suite. Yeah, yeah so, in the next cut so basically if, if you hear it and you don't like it, please don't add Mate, me. It will but be if fantastic. you do like it, then please tell us that you do. You've Gary, sold it wonderfully, Gary. Gary. You've sold it wonderfully. Well, it can... sounds... Absolutely brilliant. Can I can I can can I prove this to everybody? Because I I know in the press release there's a little uh, clip, isn't there, of of Robbie speaking about Drogba. Am I allowed to put that into the show? Yeah, if it's in there. Yeah, good. All right. Well, I'm going to say thank you so much to you two. It's lovely to see you. I haven't seen you both Ah. for bloody ages, apart from everything else. But uh, um, 
I, I wish you... So, I mean, I don't need to wish you any luck with this because it's... I mean, it's going to absolutely knock people's bollocks off. It sounds, sounds fantastic. absolutely fabulous. It? Sounds there's going to be a lot of exclusives here and I'm really looking yeah. forward to hearing it. In well, ho- hopefully, hopefully as well. And ju- just to get really sentimental, um, the, I, I spoke... So basically... Um, you know, the, the, this has been a journey for Gary and, you know, it's something we're trying to realise his his dream, his potential... You know, things start off as small ideas and then you get really into it and it's been something that has just carried on working. And, uh, you know, Gary's worked really hard on this and, and you know, more power to him. He had the initial idea oh. and hopefully I've managed to help facilitate eight that. Years. So, eight years. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, my goodness me. But you can tell it's sounding fantastic. Yeah, it is. And I but mean, ba- basically, the, the reason I support Chelsea is because my dad. Yeah. 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 And um, me too. So this is, this is a good way to honour him, Gary. That that's why I want to make it for my dad and my brothers. And yeah, well, good on you, mate. That's it. It's for everyone's dads, everyone's brothers, yeah. everyone's family, and it's for the Chelsea family. And you know, Gary's absolutely spot on when he talks about you know doing it for his father. We're doing it for everyone. Well, and the beautiful thing is, I mean, having seen Poundland, and this is not to cast aspersions on the people involved with that, but. You know, you've got two people here who have lived and breathed Chelsea their entire lives, making a documentary series about Chelsea. That's the way it should always be done, because we know much better. Give us access to the people who can tell the stories for us and you will get better content. That's why you do a podcast. That's why we do a podcast. So to have this kind of writ large as a documentary series, because I think the I think the concept of a documentary audio series is brilliant, by the way. I remember... But in, in lockdown, I think, I listened to the one on The Clash, which had, um, oh, for God's sake, brain fart, old man syndrome, the the public enemy guy. Oh, Chuck D. Thank you, Chuck D, uh, narrating it. And I, I, it was just, I, I was just absolutely enraptured by this thing. It was addictive. So things like this are, are so different to podcasts. They're brilliant. So I commend you both for doing this. And Gary... I mean, I used to be a filmmaker, mate. I, you know, I lost my business and a ton of fucking money pursuing that dream. So I know, I know what it's like. So my hat is off to you for staying the course, mate. My respect is absolutely huge. So well done, well done to you both. I can't wait. I cannot wait to hear this. I really can't. We've also um, just, just as another little thing, just as part of Chelsea culture, because that, that's what I'm all about. I'm not saying I'm the biggest fan or anything, but I just love the culture of our club and stuff. And um, we we re-recorded Blue Day, didn't we, Kerry? We did. We have re-recorded Blue Day. Blue oh, Day I, I, 23. I sang on the original of that. Yeah. You not, know that. Not on this one, mate. No, no, no. But, uh, <laughs> well, well now boring. what you've got to do is you've got to put up with Kerry, and uh, I think he's been on here. Daniel Child is on there. Louis Benevente is on there. Alison Bender and a few others. Yeah, oh. we're, we're called the Blue Printers. Well, so that's I- it. I'm going to play that clip. I will play. I'm going to play this Robbie DiMatteo clip, and then I will. I will follow it up with the uh, the reversioned Blue Day, uh, and that will be a good way to sign you off. But bef- I, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show and and sharing this with us. And as I said, it's lovely to see you both. It, it's been it's, it's been far too long. It'd be nice to see you for a pint in the manor at some stage as well, actually. And I'm I'm also delighted to see that you're both in good health now because I know you've had your issues. So it's lovely to see you both. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having us on, Chich. Thanks for having us on. Just quickly, the Di Matteo stuff, is that the lion in the jungle with Drogba? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. 
I was thinking, what have I done here? Yeah. No, I, I, you've, ru- you've ruined the build-up for that one, haven't you? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Kerry, that I called you Levy when I started, because, of course, I've got a friend called Levy, and I haven't seen you for ages. You are, of course, Kerry Levy, of course. Oh, that's OK, that's Jonathan Kai. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it could, it could be worse, Jonathan. I, you could... I get that so often now. I tell Mate, you, it think, could be worse. He, he, could have, he could have been confused with Martin Levy. Indeed, indeed. Um, and, you know, or Daniel I mean, Levy. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Who would want that? Boys, good to see you. Gary, get back to work. We need to hear this damn thing soon. And Kerry, lovely to see you, mate. And we'll see you soon as well. You take care. Can I say brilliantly sold and explained, guys. Gary, fantastic. Love it. I wish you every success with it. Sounds absolutely superb. Thank you. Cheers, guys. All the best. best. Sounds good. Thank you. point you're thinking destiny cannot be that cruel to Chelsea and us again you know after 2008 it cannot be it just it has to be a win you know it can DJ is not going to miss and it has to be our trophy now. we watch as Didier Drogba approaches the penalty spot places the ball pulls his socks over both knees and steps back He ignores the Bayern Munich goalkeeper, Manuel Neuer, who bounces in his goal to distract him. Drogba braces himself. He takes a deep breath. The referee's whistle blows. The striker springs forward onto one foot. Chelsea's destiny is in the balance. Didier Drogba has brought the curtain down on a 20-year story. After flirting with extinction, almost becoming bankrupt, ghost goals, five Champions League semi-finals and a final loss, somehow Chelsea have become European champions. And that's exactly what happened. DJ was the lion in the jungle. This is the blueprint. The story of how Chelsea Football Club went from fearing for their very existence to conquering Europe in just two decades. From perennial strugglers to European champions, the club's story is one unlike any other. The blueprint is nearly finalised. And it's coming soon.
Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at blueprint underscore pod. Well, there you go. That uh, that sounds like it is going to be utterly, utterly amazing. So uh, I think it will be behoven upon us to plug it royally by whatever channel we have and help these boys make it the success that it truly deserves to be. But it's brilliant having them on the show as well. There we go. That was, I really enjoyed that. Now, um, I'm afraid that is all we've got time for tonight. Uh, now, the international break has caught up with us. So uh, we're having a break too. And... Uh, that means we will be back on Friday, March the 31st. It seems like a lifetime away uh, with Tony Glover to preview the Chelsea versus Aston Villa match. However, we may publish some goodies for you in the interim. We will see. Watch this space. Uh, quick Patreon plug. If you uh, want to donate a few shekels every month to us, and uh, it would be lovely if you did, but I wouldn't care if you didn't because I love you equally. It's patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And of course, if you do, you get a kerry dixon banner mini banner and of course you can join our discord group as so many do it's great fun now in off the post there will not be an in off the post this week there may be an in off the post next week depending on how many emails have come in in the interim that could be one of the goodies which i'm talking about uh if you want to send an email it's chelseafancast at gmail.com uh, but equally, you can post anything on Patreon, Instagram or tweet us or Facebook us if you want something read out there, too. So there you go. Uh, you can follow the show on all the social media at Chelsea Fancast. Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, Martin at Martin underscore Wickham. So there you go. Uh, Martin, uh, brilliant to see you, as always. Fantastic to see you on Saturday, even more so. Um, I, I had no idea the show was going to go the direction it travelled in. That's completely, completely discombobulated me that last half an hour. Unbelievable. That's fantastic, and I think you know I can't really say any more about that. Just download the show when it arrives because it sounds like it's going to be a hell of a listen, and I, I reckon there'll be a lot of media playing catch up with some of what comes out of it. Yeah. If and yeah, just fantastic. So I don't think you need. I think it's sold itself more yeah. than enough. Yeah, it's brilliant. Definitely. It was riveting, wasn't it? Riveting yeah. it conversation. Yeah. Riveting. Yeah. Definitely. Well, good to see you, Martin. JK, as always, an absolute honour and a privilege. And lovely, lovely to reacquaint you with your old uh, your old muckers there as well. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, don't know Gary, but I know Kerry, you and Kerry. I don't know, I don't know Jerry. Gary, 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 Gary. But no, no, you Kerry I've known for ages and ages. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I always thought I thought I'd started a bit of a ruck there for a minute, and I kind of regretted being deliberately pithy and thinking, oh no, they're going to have a massive row. No, no, we dealt with it well. No, it was quite funny, actually. But there you go. JK, always lovely to see you. You know that. Um, brilliant show. Really enjoyed it tonight. Uh, people in Mixler, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it too. Always lovely to see you in there. And uh, you lot at home, thank you for listening. Uh, see you on the 31st of March. Goodness me. Until then, keep it blue, keep it careful, and keep it chills. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, 
let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.